Welcome to the Modern Goat Rider Podcast. The opinions expressed by our hosts and guests are strictly their own and do not represent the positions of any lodge, grand lodge, or other branches of the independent order of Odd Fellows. Our conversations will be open to the public for the purposes of inspiring our global membership and promoting the order. And now, let's continue the journey. Welcome to the Modern Goat Rider Podcast. I'm Billy Sanderson, and no Josh Miller. This is a special Christmas break episode of the Modern Goat Rider. Uh, Josh and I decided to take a couple weeks off, and in the midst of that, uh, we also decided we would post a uh, semi-pre-recorded episode here. It is before Christmas Day. And I am uh, alone in my basement. Anyways, uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story because we're going to do a history uh, check-in today. So it is uh, 2020, and we've had quite the year. And I'm not I'm not going to go into all the fun we've had this year, uh, but I'm going to talk about something I discovered this year. So here's a little story for you. I, like many many people, have a vinyl record player. And I was feeling a little uh, bored with my record collection this year, and I made a Facebook request that if anybody was uh, interested in unloading their record collections or their uh, hand-me-downs, I'd be interested in picking them up. What I ended up getting was a quite a box of uh, records from the 80s and the 90s uh, that really fit the bill of reminiscing about bad music that I used to enjoy. And that uh, collection of records came from Brother Scott Aitchison. Of course it did. He needed to be mentioned this episode, doesn't he always? Anyways, inside that box of uh, records, there was a package that is a brown paper wrapped package two pieces of cardboard and inside is definitely a record an lp uh, the bo- the package has had its address ship to uh label taken off but the ship from is still listed as 84th avenue in delta bc so i thought okay this must be something that scott has uh borrowed from the museum at Oddfellows Hall, and I would have a look inside. And I'm opening it again here, so allow me to give you the full visuals here. So I am holding a classic black vinyl album with a red label that reads Independent Order of Oddfellows. And I'm assuming this is side A because it doesn't say uh, A or B. But on one side, it has address by James Main, Sovereign Grand Master, at Sovereign Grand Master's Banquet, Philadelphia, PA, September 17th, 1966. And on the other side, it has Independent Order of Oddfellows, of course, and it has two tracks. And the first track is Pilgrimage to the Tombs of the Unknown, Arlington National Cemetery, May 1st, 1966, James Main, Sovereign Grand Master Speaker. 
And then track two is presentation to James Main, Sovereign Grand Master at Chicago, Illinois, September 20th, 1965. And it says on the label down the bottom of it, this recording distributed by Wally Lodge number 78 IOOF Wally BC. All right, so we have history in our hands here. And uh, what I did do is I laid this on the on the old turntable and I set up my podcasting mic in front of the speaker and I got everybody quiet in the house and I recorded it. What we're going to play today is the address by James Main and it is the 1966. So this would be probably the end of his term uh, and he was elected, selected into uh, Sovereign Grand Master in 1965. The recordings are uh, very good quality uh, condition, I guess, of the LP itself. But the recording is basically a microphone sitting on someone's table while uh, the Sovereign Grand Master speaks in a banquet hall. And so we have quite a bit of uh, distortion and sort of all that uh, monkey business that comes with uh, bad audio. I did uh, attempt in my amateur uh, reproduction and post-production skills to kind of bring it back to life. Uh, but out of the three, the best recording is certainly the address in 1966. So uh, we'll play that one first, and then uh, we'll go into the other two. Um, and um, what I thought I would do before is check in a few things and fill you in on a few things about James Main. And it, again, it's M-A-I-N, James Main, like Main Street. Uh, I find out that uh, he doesn't go by James very often. He goes by Jim, and so is uh, was Brother Jim. Uh, a few things I learned about him uh, came from newspapers, and I did a newspaper.com search for as many articles as I could dig up on it. And one of the things that's interesting is uh, back in the 60s, as probably was prior to that, it was quite often news that the Grandmaster of the Oddfellows, was, Sovereign Grandmaster of the Oddfellows, was coming to town. And I was able to find articles or at least announcements in the paper uh, for uh, this arrival or these visits. And so uh, real early on, I have one from Gibson's BC, which is on Seashell, which is uh, not uh, a big town at all. Those of us who know the CBC, we know Gibson's because of Beachcombers, the TV show that was very popular in the 70s. Bruno Gerussi and uh, everyone. But in that uh, very short snippet in October of 21st, it says that uh, James Main uh, of Vancouver is the newly elected grand, Sovereign Grand Master of the IOF, and he has chosen Sovereign Grand Chaplain by the name of Walter Wayne. And he, of uh, Kelso Street, Vancouver, was installed as the Sovereign Grand Chaplain of the IOF uh, during the annual sessions. So that's one little snippet. I go, okay, great. 
Well, then uh, a week later, I find a, a clipping here that has top-ranking odd fellows, James Main, second from the right of the Sovereign Grand Master of the World, IOF, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, visited IOF Texas Grand Lodge headquarters in Corsicana Tuesday morning, which we guess is probably somewhere around October 22nd, 1965. And he met with T.D. Barber of Mesquite, Deputy Grand Master of Texas, Leo Richardson, Houston, Grand Master of Texas, and Donald Hughes, Dallas, Grand Warden of Texas. So uh, they pulled out all the heavy guns, and it looks like they visited some homes in Corsicana and Ennis. Uh, A couple other stops along the way. Uh, I have a June 24th stop in uh, Terre Haute. I think that is in Indiana. Yes, Indiana. And then... I was able to discover something a little bit about what I was trying to get from this Sovereign Grand Master's history. It's not so much his traveling around and so forth, but I wanted to see where he was coming from and where he started his term. Did he have a mission or a um, theme for his uh, term as Sovereign Grand Master? And I came across a article here dated... November 1965, November 15th, Vancouver Sun. So James is from Vancouver as much as I can tell. I cannot find his home lodge. And Grand Lodge was not able to produce uh, that information quick enough. uh, So it's more research to come. But this article is fraternalism termed great world need. And I'll read quickly into this. There is a greater need for fraternalism in the world today, and the Sovereign Grand Master of the International Order of Oddfellows said here Saturday night. James Main, leader of the world's 1.25 million Oddfellows, is a Vancouver resident living on, well, I found his address. Here he was living on East 10th Street. He was speaking to more than a thousand persons at a banquet reception given for him at Hotel Vancouver, which is downtown. Because he quotes, because of fraternalism, we create far greater understanding between peoples of different nations, he said. If we were ever to have world peace, it must come from the desire of people to fraternalize. Maine, 62, stressed that fraternal organizations like the IOF contribute to this ultimate goal. Quote again, I have traveled North America extensively, plus Europe and Hawaii, and I find people all of all countries, regardless of race and language, meet on a common ground, he said. Just returned from Hawaii and wearing a lei of orchids, Maine said all peoples have a desire, sincere desire to live in peace and harmony. Uh, and then I have another article here, Encinitos, California on December and um, he is quoted as having a a, um, slogan for the year and his slogan for the year is work God's blessing 
He suggested the slogan, and quote, we seek to improve and elevate the character of man, unquote, which has been officially adopted by the Sovereign Grand Lodge. So um, cruising through, I got one more article I want to read about, and this is from the Vancouver province, uh, dated actually the same day that uh, the Vancouver Sun ran the previous article I read there. And this one is City Man Topmost Oddfellow. James Main of Vancouver has been an odd fellow for nearly four decades and has spent most of his waking hours in lodge affairs. Saturday, he was honored with the top most odd fellows among the million and a quarter members worldwide. At 62, Maine holds full-time job as Grand Lodge Secretary. Way to go, Becky. Full-time job. Which he will relinquish during his one-year term as Sovereign Grand Master of the 147th year of the organization. Quote, I suppose you could say my whole life has been devoted to Odd Fellowship, he said on Sunday. More than 800 Odd Fellows and Rebecca's attended a testimonial dinner for Maine at the Vancouver Hotel. As the 120th head of the Ancient Brotherhood, 6th sixth Canadian and first member west of Saskatchewan to hold the post, he will spend much of his time traveling from one North American city to another, attending lodge functions. Last year, while one step from the primary chair, he made a European trip representing the Sovereign Grand Master for 1964. Odd fellow functions include public service projects such as raising 625000 to endow a chair of medical research into eye disease at John Hopkins Hospital, Baltimore. Another project is in its 16th year, and it involves sending selected teenagers on a week-long vacation to observe the United Nations General Assembly in action in New York City. So, a few things I've got here... Um, that he was the first in BC, and it turns out he is the only sovereign grand master uh, to come from our jurisdiction of British Columbia. Interesting. I don't know if uh, somebody uh, took the uh, second member west of Saskatchewan, uh, but there you have it. He was a dedicated odd fellow. And finally, I want to give a little bit of context to odd fellowship in that 147th, 148th year, uh, I found a what seems to be a half a page infovert um, in the Langley Advance of November 1967. So it's a couple years after. And they have the Oddfellows and the Rebecca's listed out here and the number of members uh, worldwide, Canada, etc. So I'll, I'll give you a few numbers here. Uh, worldwide lodges that were Oddfellow Lodges, 7,746. And the worldwide membership of Oddfellows was 513,507. So this is 1964. So uh, the dates don't quite align with the uh, headline, but this is the membership in 1964. Encampment, there was 1,897 of which membership was 86,683. Canton and Junior Boys, etc. through. For BC, 
at the time, there were 68 lodges and 3,200 members in Oddfellows. In the Rebecca's, this is always a wonderful thing about BC, is that Rebecca's outnumbered uh, Oddfellows by quite a few in the um, in the 60s and the 70s. Now, of course, uh, at that time, uh, there were at least five Oddfellows who held chairs in a Rebecca's sign of the times, unfortunately, um, but there would have been uh, at least five uh, Oddfellow men that were also in the Rebecca's. Uh, the numbers here, worldwide, 8,133 lodges, Rebecca Lodges. Worldwide membership, 551,427. So there's a little double counting in there and so forth. For BC, there were more Rebecca Lodges and there was 5,716 members. There's also a lady encampment, also the Lady Auxiliary Canton, and then Theta Row as well listed here. So I will post these ones on the website when we get around to updating the website again. But it's a little interesting snapshot of what kind of size Oddfellows were at when James Main, uh, Brother Jim, uh, had the seat as Sovereign Grand Master. So do enjoy... Uh, this, uh, play with your volume a little bit. Uh, he's trying to be funny at the start of his speech, so you have some time to adjust it. Um, but you'll hear some things that he talks about that still ring true today, uh, even with much smaller pop uh, membership, even with uh, more of the urban growth that he is talking about. This is the 60s, right? So we still are downtown. We still are going to Woolworths, and we're still having lunch at the at the uh, the dime coffee shops and um, you know grandma is taking care of us and we uh, as little kids and we are um, probably dying to take that uh, five cent mechanical horse ride uh, at Woolworths so enjoy and uh, I'll catch you on the other side Honorable James Main, the Sovereign Grand Master of the Sovereign Grand Lodge of the Independent Order of Art College. Brother Main. Thank you. Brother Chairman, Officers and members of the Sovereign Grand Lodge, Sister Rose Seeley, President of, and officers and members of the International Association of Rebecca Assemblies, General Louis G. Neal, General Commanding Patriarch Militant, Lady Stella Winget, President of the International Association of Ladies Auxiliary Patriarch Militant, Distinguished visitors from overseas, to all members of our beloved order, ladies and gentlemen. It is the prerogative of the Sovereign Grand Master to signify the type of program he would wish at his banquet. 
And I have, as already been stated, signified that I want you to enjoy yourselves tonight. I think that you have had a good time. And so I have stated that I want a minimum of speeches, particularly that I do not wish to have a guest speaker from outside. Unfortunately, and I think this is indicative of the low standards to which our civilization has fallen, after dinner speaking seems to have replaced the game of baseball as the great American pastime. And so it seems to be imperative that at a gathering such as this, that we have at least one speaker. Now I know that there are a few of you here tonight that have not heard me speak before. There are some of you who have heard me perhaps once or twice. There are others who have heard me on several occasions. I have nothing but the greatest admiration for your intestinal fortitude. And I feel somewhat like a politician who was invited to a, witness a hanging. And uh, of course the condemned man uh, enjoyed a hearty breakfast as his customary. Perhaps he ate his breakfast a little quicker than usual because the warden says, well, he says, we've, we've got about 20 minutes. Would you like to say something? And the prisoner says, no, he says, there's nothing to say. The politician just couldn't see the 20 minutes of free talking time going to waste. So he asked if he might have the privilege of speaking instead of the condemned man. The warden turned to the prisoner and said, do you mind if this gentleman speaks instead of you? And the prisoner said, no. He says, I don't mind. He can speak as long as he likes. But hang me first. I've heard him before. <laughs> before you as your newly installed Sovereign Grand Master. Tonight my term is almost completed. Have I served you well? Have I proved worthy of your expectations? Or have I failed to achieve all that you had hoped for? I can only say that I have given of myself to the utmost of my capabilities, that I have worked to promote the progress of our fellowship during my term of office. The results of my stewardship will be reflected in the success or failure of our order in the years to come. Selected as my slogan for the year was the phrase, work God's blessing. Now at the termination of my year as Sovereign Grand Master, I realize more fully than ever the truth of these words. 
My efforts have indeed been blessed. The harder I have strived to be worthy of your trust, the greater has been my reward. I have been blessed with perfect health. I have been blessed with the utmost cooperation from my colleagues in the Sovereign Grand Lodge. No Sovereign Grand Master could be blessed with greater and more willing co-workers than I have had in the persons of Sister Rose Seeley, General Louis G. Neal, and Lady Stella Winded. And no one could have been blessed with a more loyal and devoted helpmate than my own sister, Evelyn. Whatever sacrifices have been necessitated because of my elevation to this exalted position have been hers to bear, and she has borne these sacrifices without complaint. And what a host of friends I have been blessed with. Those I have known in the past, I hope, become even better friends than ever before. I am certain that the new friendships which I have been blessed with will continue throughout the years to come and will strengthen with the passing of time. No man was ever so rich as I am at this moment because I have received God's greatest blessing, the blessing of a multitude of friends. What I have seen in my travels as I have journeyed throughout the jurisdictions has been most encouraging. True, we have some bad spots. But even in our troubled areas, there appears to be an earnest desire to improve conditions. And where strong leadership is evident on the part of the jurisdictional officers, progress is being made. There is still evidence of a negative attitude in the minds of some. But this is more than counterbalanced by the enthusiasm of the majority, particularly by those younger members who are slowly but surely assuming the responsibilities of leadership in all phases of our fellowship. The greatest source of encouragement and inspiration which I have derived as I have traveled throughout the jurisdictions, is the number of younger brothers and sisters who are holding offices in the majority of grand bodies. This is a trend which must be continued. Never in the history of our order has there been a greater desire on the part of the general membership to be of service to humanity. While not for a moment losing sight of our obligations to our own members and their dependents, there is an ever-increasing belief that the principles we hold so dear can and should be applied to all peoples. 
This is very evident in the projects which have been adopted and are, which are being supported by lodges everywhere. The benefits to be derived from our more major projects are designed not only for Oddfellows and our sisters of the Rebecca degree, but for humanity as a whole. In what better manner could we attempt to put into practice the lesson taught by the story of the Good Samaritan? Fraternity, unless embodied in acts of humanity, is but an empty name. He only is an odd fellow who has pity and mercy. The future of our order depends on the extent to which we are willing to devote our efforts for the benefit of humanity. It is a thrilling experience to see how some lodges and some jurisdictions are building for the future. The number of lodge buildings and homes either completed under construction or on the planning board is evidence of our faith in the future of odd fellowship. We all must share in this faith and exemplify our belief in the future of our beloved order by building and strengthening our organization. Our forefathers laid well the foundation of odd fellowship the principles they selected for us are as noble and as meaningful today as they were 147 years ago. The purposes of our fellowship as set out in the very first ritual of our order remains unchanged. To give of oneself for the relief and comfort of others without thought of personal benefit or exaltation. Unfortunately, in this age of modern civilization, some are inclined to forget the real teachings of our fellowship and try to use their membership for their own advantage. We must strengthen our methods of teaching the lessons of our fellowship by building even better and more efficient degree staffs so that no one might be left with the impression that they personally can benefit because of their membership without first having given of themselves for the benefit of others. Yes, our forefathers laid well the foundations of our order and they built a superstructure designed to fit the needs of the age in which they lived. But times have changed, and we must adapt ourselves to the ever-changing needs of our modern society. In some instances, lodges are content to continue the needs in buildings erected by their forefathers many decades and even a century ago. Some jurisdictions are content to house their aged members and their dependents in homes that are antiquated and outmoded. 
Is this the outward picture of our fellowship that we would present to the public? Do you want to depict our order as an antiquated and outmoded organization? We know that this is not the kind of an organization we belong to, but the public can only believe what it sees. If we present them with a picture of antiquated buildings, it is not logical for them to believe that this is characteristic of our organization. There is hardly a city or town of any size on this continent which is not faced with the problem of redeveloping its downtown area, usually referred to as urban renewal. Whole blocks of off-moded downtown buildings are being demolished to make way for modern and more functional structures. Art Fellowship too is faced with such a, build, a problem and many of our buildings require replacement, or at the very least, modernization. The day of the little red schoolhouse has gone forever. No longer is such a structure considered suitable for the education of our young. Schools today must provide every known facility and functional advantage. Perhaps we are inclined to cater to our young people more than is necessary. But nevertheless, having become accustomed to the very best during their school years, are they going to be satisfied with less when they become adults and seek membership in a fraternal society or civic organization? Everyone wishes to belong to an active organization. Odd Fellowship is progressive in its character and in the multitude of good works performed by its members. But the visual aspect of our order must also depict an active and progressive organization if we wish to attract the kind of young men and women we want in our order. I have nothing but the highest praise for those lodges which have shown the courage required to take the steps necessary to modernize or to replace their old buildings. More and more of this type of redevelopment is required and on a much larger scale. We have the solid foundation upon which to build. Surely the reconstruction of the superstructure should not be too difficult a task. But the time to build is now, not tomorrow, not next year, but now. Let us not wait for tomorrow, for tomorrow is oftentimes too elusive. Let us build for today's generation and all the generations of the future. To do so, we must consider the wants and wishes of the present and future peoples of all countries. What was good enough for yesterday's needs may not meet the requirements of today. 
it is imperative that we open our minds to possible change. It is imperative that we learn to practice the principles of friendship, love, and truth in modern concepts. We must serve humanity in an ever-increasing crescendo of effort without relinquishing any of the principles of our order. I am thoroughly convinced that our fellowship can be adapted to modern-day needs if we will but modernize our outlook. To do so, we must raise our standards in many ways. We must realize that operating costs are greatly increased, and if we are to meet these rising costs and still be financially able to serve our fellow man, as we are taught by the lessons in our riches, then we must increase our revenue. It is not possible to be a nickel and dime organization in a dollar society, even though that dollar is inflated. We cannot compare the value of our fellowship by the monetary standards of 50 years ago, or even 20, or 10. If we value our fellowship as much as we profess, then we must be prepared to pay for it. Our fellowship is, and I hope will always be, a tremendous force for good. It is something worth striving for. I hope you all feel that it's something worth sacrificing for. It is a way of life but only if we are willing to live up to or to endeavor to live up to its teachings. <clears throat> the ultimate aim of our fellowship is universal brotherhood. We are still a long way from that goal. But until that happy day when all men shall hail each other as brothers, there is a need for our fellowship and all its answers. Praise God we may continue to be blessed with the earnest desire to work toward that goal. My brothers and sisters, <clears throat> this is the address I have prepared for you tonight. But since I have written it, I have been somewhat disturbed by my last sentence. Praise God we may continue to be blessed with the art desire to work towards his end. And I ask myself, have I, have we, the right to appeal to God to help us in our endeavor? This is a troubled world we are living in. We can find many excuses for conditions as they exist today. <coughs> but these are not reasons. They are merely excuses. And we are living in a world where there are many ide ideologies that do not believe in God. And the number of intellectual people 
the number of well-educated people who are publicly professing that there is no God is a very disturbing factor. This idea has become so prevalent that I wonder if it is not a planned campaign by those who would undermine the democratic way of life which we enjoy. I wonder if it is intentional <clears throat> that the seeds of doubt should be sown in our minds. The one requirement that we insist upon for anyone who wishes to become a member of our organization is that they believe in the Supreme Being. I sometimes wonder if this is not why some people are reluctant to sign our application form, not the reasons that they give. And if it is so, then the forces which are fighting us are making progress. And it becomes more and more evident <clears throat> that if we are going to retain our way of life, then we must fight back. I do believe that the Independent Order of Optimus should stress more and more our belief in the Supreme Being, and I believe that we should try to be worthy of that belief. I believe that if we have more and more faith in God, not only in lip service, but in actual deeds, I think that most of our problems will disappear and we will continue until time shall be no more. second two tracks i have to apologize you can you can put up with the audio on these two again this is the uh pilgrimage to the tombs of the unknown in arlington sovereign grand master maine does recite uh in flanders fields which uh he would have also uh recited at the uh placing of the wreath in ottawa for um, the uh, Canadian dead. And it was an event that was published in the newspapers, and in some newspapers they actually printed out, U.S. newspapers, they actually printed out uh, the portion of Flanders Fields that he does read. So uh, enjoy this one as well, and I hope you have a safe and healthy New Year Eve, and we'll see you and talk to you all in January. Cheers in FLT. On behalf of the Sovereign Grand Lodge, 
and your local committee, I'd like to take this opportunity to welcome each and every one of you to this, our 32nd annual pilgrimage to the Tomb of the Unknowns. We hope you will have an enjoyable stay with us and hope you have had one have you been here for several days. We have our Commander-in-Chief, our Sovereign Grand Master, from the jurisdiction of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, for the James Main. Master of Ceremonies, <clears throat> Officers of the Sovereign Grand Lodge, International Association of Rebecca Assemblies, and General Military Council, to all members of the Independent Order of Oddfellows and Friends. The privilege of appearing on this occasion is more than mere honor. It is, I believe, symbolic of the freedoms for which our unknowns made the supreme sacrifice. That a citizen of another country should be permitted to stand on this, the most hallowed piece of ground in the United States of America, and to represent approximately one million American non-fellows and Rebecca's in paying tribute to their heroes is something that should not be taken too much for granted. I doubt that any two countries living side by side have been the good neighbors that your country and mine have proved themselves for more than a century. Nearby is the Canadian Memorial, erected in memory of those Americans who lost their lives while serving in the armed forces of Canada. And many Canadians have fought for Uncle Sam. Who knows? Perhaps one of the unknown could be a Canadian. Even now, at this moment, my nephew, Canadian-born, is wearing the uniform of an American soldier in Germany. Yes, we are good neighbors. But more than that, we are in truth friends and brothers. The best of our manhood 
has fought in each other's armies have been prepared to die for each other have indeed died for us greater love has no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends how grateful we should be to be numbered as friends of these unknown and all that vast horde who lay down their lives for us not that they actually gave their lives they were mostly young life was surely good but they gave their services knowing only too well what the cost might be for them and here within these beautiful acres we can reap for ourselves the price tag of freedom here we can be fully conscious of the price that has been paid and is being paid for those freedoms which we profess to value so highly do we truly appreciate the privileges of a free country are we prepared to guard these freedoms do we value all that these unknowns have fought and died for or has their sacrifice been for naught the privileges which we enjoy are worthy of the responsibilities which they entail if those we honor today cared enough to risk their lives is it too much to ask that we be good citizens that we accept the responsibilities of our citizenship that we guard our freedoms and a way of life which is peculiar to a democracy perhaps i talk as if our countries were one to all intents and purposes we are integral parts of one united whole believe me we in canada are most happy to have uncle sam as our next door neighbor and you in the united states must be equally pleased to know that the vast territory to your north is peopled by good friends who love their freedom just as much as do all Americans. 
But world conditions demand that we be more than neighbors. For the welfare of both countries, we must be partners. And this in truth, we are. Partners in defense. Partners on the Jew line which stretches across the vast northern wastes. Partners in the very nerve center, which are manned by both Americans and Canadians. Yes, we have more than a country to guard. We must defend a continent if we would protect the way of life for which our unknowns die. Is it worth the price? We surely agree that it is. But are we prepared to do something about it? There are in this world other forms of government. There are other ways of life. There are different ideologies, the proponents of which have openly boasted that they will crush us. It is unthinkable to believe that this might ever come to pass. The only possibility of such a happening will be the result of apathy on the part of the peoples of our two great countries. Such a catastrophe can only come about if we fail in our responsibilities as citizens. Following the First World War, a Canadian, Colonel John McRae, wrote these lines. In Flanders fields the poppies blow between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place. And in the sky the larks Still bravely singing, fly scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep. Though poppies grow in Flanders fields, 
Yes, we must not break faith with those who die. Let us not forget those things for which they died. For if we do, our very way of life is in jeopardy. Your land and mine was settled by those who sought political and religious freedoms and a better way of life. They too should be included in those we honor today. They also fought a war. They battled the hardships of an undeveloped wilderness. They resisted the oppressor and won their freedom and many made the same sacrifice as those who lie buried here in Arlington Cemetery. They died for the same things as did the unknowns. As we pay tribute to our dead, let us rededicate ourselves to work with renewed effort to protect the freedom that makes our way of life. To ensure those who follow a life they can enjoy to the full. The price tag of freedom is not only the lives of these unknown lying in these tombs, but the lives of all of those who have been sacrificed through the years in both our countries. It behooves us to carry high the torch thrown to us by the failing hands of the dying and never, never to lose faith with those who die, though poppies grow in Flanders fields. Thank you, Sergeant Grandmaster.